for everything that you have done for us. Father, when we didn't even know your son, Jesus, you saw fit to introduce us to him. and, And you put us in a place where we could see him. You revealed him to us so that we would know and contact the one true and living God. Can't get higher than that. Can't get better than that. Can't get more than that. So we're good right where we are, Lord. If we got another thing from you, if never got another thing from you, we're good right where we are. But we know you have so much more for us, Lord. You promised in your word. So we are just getting a glimpse of your glory in this place today. And we thank you and honor you for showing up for us today. Again, in Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So yesterday we began talking about the um, high priest of divine health. And um, we went through some understanding of how the priesthood of Jesus is different from any other priesthood that God ever instituted. Whenever a person would make an offering to God, if he humbled himself and was instructed uh, by God, he got accepted the offering. But that did not make him a priest in that he had authority to minister on behalf of other people. And so we see a few characters in the Bible scattered around a little bit. Uh, God could give that authority to anybody he wanted. It appears Job may have had some kind of priesthood function, especially over his household. The head of the household was always the minister or the priest over the household, so he was making offerings and sacrifices for his bad kids. Amen. Hiding it from God, hoping God wouldn't see him. Isn't that terrible? Everybody in here say, forgive me, Lord. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Because that was what he was doing. He knew they weren't pleasing to God, but he didn't want to talk to God about it. And so he would make offerings for them just in case they cursed God in the middle of the night or something, which he knew they did. Amen. Or he wouldn't have thought of that. But it caught up with him one day. (laughs) But then after he began to pray for his friends and function in his role as priest again, God turned his captivity around. I say that to say that your ministry is never canceled. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. As long as Jesus is alive, his people, believers, have a function in the earth to preach his gospel with signs following. Amen. And so once you understand that, you'll understand how important a functioning priesthood is. Somebody has to have access to God to go before him on behalf of the people. Amen. Especially people don't know him. You're ignorant and you don't know anything about God. Somebody that knows him and has access has to make a way for you. And so we, we, we understand how important a functioning priesthood is when we look at some of the times that Israel backslid and wasn't serving God the way they should. And so many times the, the priests, the Levites would scatter. Uh, if offerings weren't coming in, they had no livelihood. Amen. And so they would scatter. And when they were scattered, it was really hard for the people. As long as somebody was coming and the priesthood could function, they had an opportunity to repent and come back to God. 
they had an opportunity when they sinned to go, go to the priest and make an offering for their sin atonement so they could have the blessings of God in their lives. And so a functioning priesthood is extremely important for the blessings of God to come into the lives of other human beings. It's very important. Don't ever underestimate your, your, your function as a believer. Don't underestimate it because many times people do, you know, they, they think, well, you know, if God sends me somebody, I'll pray for somebody or we may go for weeks and months without praying for anybody, you know, and so uh, a functioning priesthood is what Jesus wants to have in the earth. It's very important to him. That's how we got saved. Somebody taught me how to pray when I didn't know. Amen. And somebody could pray for me or agree in prayer with me for things that I need. When I didn't know the word and was ignorant, I had to depend on somebody who knew God and knew the word to do that. So priesthood functions are very, very important. Um, don't overestimate a title over functioning as a priest. See, there are many people who are ministry gifts, called as ministry gifts, and all different levels of of calling in God. Um, but many of them are not functioning in the priesthood role the way God outlined for them to function. There are many people that don't blink twice when, you know, you ask them, well, do you pray for the sick? Sick, what sick? You know, they they run away from that as though it's an option. It's a command, just like, you know, you're supposed to preach the gospel. Amen. This is what got Jesus in trouble with the Pharisees. You know, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do to meet the needs of the people. And when Jesus came in and compassionately helped them, amen, because they saw him doing something they couldn't do, there was that jealousy set up there. It's the same now. You can find that everywhere believers are. Somebody's going to be comparing themselves with somebody else or somebody who sees God's power in your life will start to disdain you or, or think, you know, oh, that's not necessary. You understand what I'm saying? They want to downplay how God's using you and all you're doing is being obedient to the word of God. Amen. And and we all should endeavor. I don't care how much you grow in God. I don't care who lays hands on you, who ordains you. If the power of God is not in your life, you got some splaining to do, Lucy. Amen. You, know, you get back on your knees. God, I need this. You said I should lay hands on the sick and I should cast out devils. You've got to empower me. Teach me. Amen. <laughs> so that's the whole thing. Everybody runs off with a, a title and a robe or whatever with no teaching. They don't let you do that in the world. You can't go set up a doctor's office and call yourself an MD if you don't go to medical school. So we have to learn how to be in the Holy Spirit school. You know, the school of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go where he tells you to go. You know, I've gone to some some meetings with some people. I was scared of them. But they helped me. Am I right, Jan? Back in the early days, some of them were wild deliverance people, you know, to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. But they knew God. And you, if you were smart in God, you were smart enough to get what they knew and leave the rest of it. Amen? 
And so this is how we, we learn the, these, it's by revelation. It's by God opening up ability, understanding and all those things to us. But I say that to say we, we have to be responsible to make sure that we are fully equipped and meet for the master's use. That's our responsibility to go where God says you go, to learn what God says you learn, stay put. Don't be too quick to run off somewhere. You know, like a thief. Amen. Like you got something nobody else can get. If it came from heaven and he's your father, anybody who's a child of God can get it. Amen. <laughs> it's just true. You know, I remember when I was just starting, some of the older saints that knew a little bit, they clam up when you'd ask them questions like, you know, I'm thinking, well, what did I do? Huh? Like, like what they have is a secret. You know, it's in the Bible and God will give it to you, but you're not going to learn from somebody who's already withholding. So you move on. You got me? I mean, if, if they, if what they have is too deep for you and all that, just keep moving. You know, he'll get, find you a kiddie pool to play in, you know, if that's, that's your level. <laughs> but it's amazing the different attitudes you'll get from people. You know, my desire is for everybody to be equipped. Do you hear what I said? I'm looking for equipped people. I'm not looking for titles. I'm not, look, God ordains you. You know, I'll ordain anybody he tells me to. But I'm looking to equip you. That's so much more important than a title, a rank, or anything like that. Because your rank ain't going to help nobody if you don't know how to minister to them. Amen? You know, you can put as many, uh, 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 this is the presiding, you know what I mean, I don't even know what that means. Presiding over what? You know, hopefully over somebody that you just prayed for and they got better. That's what we preside over. Amen. The anointing of God. And that is just so important that we understand. Our function as believers, you don't have to guess about what your ministry is, is very clear. Mark 16, 17, and 18, and preach the word, and and God will confirm it. When you're fully equipped, he'll confirm what you preach with signs following. So that's what we're headed toward, folks. That's what all of this is about, the whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. That is people being empowered with the power of God everywhere. Amen. Every place. And so this is what Jesus died to provide for us is full empowerment over all the works of the darkness. The Bible says he was manifest to destroy the works of the devil and that he did. And then he passed on that authority to his bride, his church. That's you and that's me. So he expects us to get to get. Amen. So start praying more for God to open doors for you to witness and minister to people. Be sensitive when somebody uh, mentions a, a complaint to you to step into that open door and ask if they would like prayer. Amen. And pray for them right on the spot. Amen. And and don't let the devil intimidate you and don't let him stop you. And so you'll find that once you you get out on the road doing things for God or or you you purpose in your heart to do them, God will be there to meet you if he's leading you where you're going. Amen. So he's always there uh, to meet you when you when you um, step out 
it to do the work of the ministry. So we talked about the ministry of Jesus being very different from anything else the world had seen before. And we talked about it being on the order of the high priest Melchizedek, who Abraham met over in Genesis chapter, I think it was chapter 14. Yeah. And so Abraham uh, honored Melchizedek. And, and when we see people like Melchizedek in the Bible, they, uh, um, Bible, people who study the Bible call that a theophany. It's a type of one of the Trinity, is a type of God, somebody who embodies, uh, him in some of his characteristics. You'll find a lot of them throughout the Bible because everybody who is called as a leader often, uh, in the Bible had something similar to Christ in them, you know. Um, many times, uh, you know, you look at the lives of some of these people. Joseph was one of the early types of Christ because of suffering, rejection from his brethren and, and then being exalted and all that kind of stuff. So, but there are many times where you see just somebody show up like Joshua when he met that man, uh, in the way. And he said, are you with us, you for us, or enemies? And he said, neither one of y'all. I'm in charge. Hello? Don't you, can't you tell? <laughs> Amen. So if somebody, Lord of hosts. Amen. That's Jesus he met in the way. And so uh, these these things are very important for us to understand that throughout the Bible, we've seen um, different persons that have characteristics of Jesus, but Melchizedek is the only one that had that unique priesthood that Jesus fits in that category. So he was without father, without mother. He just appears, king of Salem, king of peace. That was spoken of Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And so we can follow through and see that Jesus is fulfilling all the prophecies that were spoken about him. It was spoken about the man who would be a priest and a king. Amen. Priests are known as servants. Amen. Um, they worked all day long, stood on their feet, couldn't sit down. So the servant was always there working. That's what Jesus did. When he walked the earth, he was a total servant. Amen. Never stopped. Had to go this place. Had to go that place. If he needed to get to his disciples in a hurry, he walked on water to get to them. You understand what I'm saying? So he worked. He said, the father works and hitherto I work because the father is constantly feeding him instruction, constantly leading him and guiding him and telling him what it is he needs to do. So the priesthood is not, if we say we are a royal priesthood and the Bible describes us as that, then Jesus is the royal high priest. He is both king and priest, which means as king, he has authority over all. Amen. And that is earthly authority as well as heavenly authority. Amen. And so Jesus is Lord of all. He has authority over all and rulership. Everything is under his feet and under his dominion. So Jesus being Lord of all and king of kings, Lord of lords, the great high priest that's passed into the heavens, we can now 
engage him in ways where we can get his priestly help and we can get his kingly help. Amen. So he is there in authority. So if he's the king of all kings, that means that his rank is higher than uh, any known ruler in the world. It's higher than our president, higher than any prime minister or king or queen uh, in the earth. His authority is higher, which means that we can always appeal to him when governments rule against us, when they're tyrannical, when they're they're not allowing us the freedom to do what God created us to do. We can we can go to to prayer for that. Uh, you know, people, uh, you know, I, I was uh, old enough. I'm old enough to remember the civil rights marches during the 60s and how that all came about where those things happened because of prayer. There was nothing else but prayer that made that happen because Martin Luther King had gone to several presidents and asked them, you know, to if if they would institute some laws that would guarantee an end of Jim Crow segregation in the South. Everybody he went to said it wasn't time, but he said God told him it was time. You understand? So he kept going until somebody listened and, and, and buckled and caved in and said it was time. Amen. And the most unlikely person caved in. Lyndon Johnson, a Texan. He called black people inward behind their backs all throughout the White House. People knew that. You, You understand what I'm saying? But what did he do when Martin Luther King came in there? Martin, what can I do for you better? Cause the King of Kings sent him there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So never doubt your earthly authority, folks, because of who you work for. Jesus has authority over all. If he tells you to go somewhere, you go. Amen. Martin Luther King said he got, he got, he, he was made, uh, the leader of the civil rights movement by default. Somebody invited him to a community meeting one night and nobody else wanted the job. <laughs> So he said, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> he never knew what it would lead to. He didn't know it would lead to even a worldwide movement. You know, that when a, a demon comes down, they come down everywhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just, you know, my little town and my little this and my little that. When you hit a demon that's been holding people in hostage and in blindness and darkness, those things have to let go of what they're holding. Amen. And and you find out how big their territory is when you see how people change and where they're located. People in South America began to change their law. People in Europe started. It was a domino effect for the communist wall to come down because all people who were bound up got free. Do you understand me? So when God does something, don't ever pray, you know, play your prayers cheap or think, well, I wonder if this is doing any good. Keep praying. You'll find out. You won't know until you keep praying. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And so because of Jesus's authority as king of all kings, when he sends his people to do things, they can have that kind of impact. Amen. Amen. And so when, when, and, and he elevates his people. Amen. Martin Luther King was well respected everywhere he went. 
you know, when he would go on those marches, the local sheriffs and police would bang him upside his head, but he'd go over to Europe and, you know, receive Nobel Peace Prize. You know, all those kinds of things. And Harvard was very well. That's where he went to school. He's very well respected. And he was well respected among his congregation. Amen. So you're going to have some people that love you and some people that hate you. But that comes with the territory because of whose you are and who you serve. Amen. And so if we'll turn to, we'll go to Hebrews 4 right now. We'll talk about the uh, um, more or less qualifications in priesthood. Um, let me see. Hebrews 4. I'm going to start in 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our unconfession. For we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore, because he was tempted and overcame, not he was tempted and fell into sin. He was tempted and overcame is how we can come boldly to the throne of grace See, the the priests that walked the earth, the Levitical priesthood had to be blameless too. Amen. They couldn't be backsliders and no sinners and all that. They had to live a life conducive and approved by God so that people, when you come to you, can trust them to get you out of trouble, not get down there with you in your trouble. And so Jesus was touched with all the feelings of our weaknesses. That is the one of the um, qualifications of priesthood. You're a human being just like the human beings you have to minister to. You have been, you know what it's like to live in an earth suit and have the wrong things in front of your eyes and, and have to choose the right way. All of that. You, you know, you know what it's like to be under pressure and want to lie to get out of it. Everybody say, forgive me, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, so, but he was without sin. He overcame every temptation, which means that his spirit that dwells in us is perfect in everything. So you never can say that your spirit, man, there's something wrong in your spirit or this, your spirit is, it's the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's fused with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So your spirit, man, is one spirit with God. So there's nothing wrong with your spirit. Amen. You know, people say things like I feel in my spirit. You tell me where that is. Point to it for me. Huh? Something to say. So, so when, so he says, every high priest taken from among men is, though, were we in 15, is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but with, was in all points tempted like as we are, but without sin. So we can lean on him for strength. If he sinned, he would be weak. We'd be in trouble. 
But since he did not sin, we can lean on him for strength. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Amen. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And he can have compassion on the ignorant. I was that way. I'm still ignorant of a lot of things, but you know, you need compassion on people who don't know any better. Amen. And, and people you think ought to know better. You, you need to have compassion for them. And for them that are out of the way, sinners don't know the way of God for that he self also was compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the per- people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor unto himself. But he that is called of God, as was Aaron, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And then also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus was called to this. He didn't assume it. Amen. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So, you know, whenever something that you desire is out of your reach, God is teaching you obedience through that thing. Amen. Suffer just means to to do without and not have what you want when you want it. It means to allow that that uh, that lack to exist in your life and still serve God. Amen. We all have to go through that and being made perfect. This is what Jesus, after the father was satisfied with his sufferings, he was, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. So Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. We talked about that yesterday that through, um, uh, um, the oath and the promise, he is able to offer eternal salvation to everybody and to give us strong consolation in his leadership as a priest, in his authority as a priest, in his um, work in our lives as a priest. Because if if we can't trust him to minister over our needs, then we have need of another savior. Amen. So this Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek without beginning, without end, came in the form of a man, suffered like we do, yet was without sin, has compassion on the ignorant and people who just don't know where they're going, people who are lost. What more qualification do you need for somebody that you can trust? So that's why we come confident. This word boldly doesn't mean you busting in somebody where where they don't want you, but it's more a confidence that we can have in Jesus. We can come confidently to the throne of grace. He even allowed 
humanity to see his his final display of weakness before the father you you got me see the many times jesus went away to pray when he was by himself you don't know what he's talking about you do know when he came out he's straight <laughs> you know that's that's a good sign for us but there may have been many things he didn't want to do and go through I gotta go down to that temple again. Oh, them people don't like me. Huh? See, he could tell his father that. But then at the end of his life, I think God made sure that we knew that he had weaknesses in his flesh like we do. Stuff he didn't want to do. Yeah, nobody likes to be ill thought of. Talk bad about. Every time he went to church, they want to throw him off a cliff. You see, and we think we got it bad, but they don't like me. I don't go to church because then people ain't right. You ain't right either. You might fit right in with them if you stay long enough and find that out. <laughs> I mean, that's what we all have to do. But it's the truth. All these people make it a big deal about church hurt. You ain't been hurt till you've been hurt by the world. And don't tell me you love the world and hate the church because you are crazy. And people in the world will steal your lunch, steal your, you know, set up uh, uh traps for you to, you know, you go to work and everybody looking at you fishy and then your supervisor want to see you and talk about firing you. You understand what I'm saying? Thank God there is the church. At least you can get, you can sit God on them real bad ones. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We got an overseer who keep divine order in his house. You got hope because of that. People in the world will see you fired and laugh at you. Saints will pray for you to get a job. Come on now. So anyway, he is a, a faithful high priest and highly qualified to meet our needs because he feels like we feel. He isn't cold toward us. He's loving toward us. He understands what we go through. He is full of mercy. Amen. So when we touch him, mercy oozes out. The judgment doesn't come out. You understand me? Because we, we're blood bought. Amen. Now you might have to straighten up a little bit before you start reaping some rewards from some things. Because we all need to straighten up. You need to straighten up because you love God. You can't pay him back. You can't give your life in exchange and repay him. So we repay through obedience. Loving obedience. Eager obedience. Obedience like we never obeyed anybody else in our lives. There's an obedience that we reserve for God that's on the top of the list. He doesn't live off of our leftovers. He has to live off what first fruits amen and so so jesus then was able to offer up prayers it says here in in verse seven seven who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared so he the father heard that prayer amen and he must have told Jesus, you got no choice or something, because he, Jesus said, well, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
Amen? But but that's probably not the first time he went to the Father. Amen? And it says after he finished the prayer, what happened? Angels came and ministered to him. So I'm sure that's not the first time angels had to minister to him to get him to the next place he had to go and face all that nonsense from crazy people. And you're doing good all the time. And and this is how they repay you. He's in human flesh, folks. He's not superhuman. It says he's touched with how we feel in the similar situation. So that's why we can have confidence in him as a high priest. You won't ever go to him and, and he'll, he'll act like he don't know what you're talking about. Or, you know, a lot of times we, we, uh, put off talking to God about things because we think he expects us to be more than where we are right now. You know, like, well, I better get my confession together and try to con God into thinking that I do this all the time. Well, he's looking, he lives in you. He knows everything about you. And he know you trying to work a number on him now. Amen. So cut the nonsense out. Amen. But see, we, we, we go through that because we don't trust in the qualifications he has for the priesthood. See, we don't understand that he is there to minister over our words, minister over our lives, look out for us. You got a priest living on the inside of you that you, you got a confessional on the inside of you. And all the Catholics said, Oh really? Oh, I'm scared now. Yeah. And in this confessional, you tell the truth all the time because he already knows the truth. Amen. So you can go to him at any time, find mercy and grace to help you in the time of need. And so this is this is why we need a priest in our lives. He is able to help us, help our weaknesses. Amen. Because he shed tears for the things he had to face. So he knows. When you shed tears, you know, sometimes I would I would think God wanted me to to be strong and be this and I would be sniffling around the house and Acting like I'm hiding it from him, you know, or something like that. I should be stronger than this. I shouldn't be acting like this and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, then later on, I just cave and have myself a good cry and, you know, and then I laugh with the Lord and it, we're all through. Well, why am I trying to hide that from him? See, there's something in us in our carnal frame that still don't trust that he, he really knows how you feel. Well, he really, really does. And he's not judging. Now, he doesn't want you to be stuck in your feelings all the time. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring you out. Bring you up into the place where you abide in his fruit all the time. So you can be happy and be joyful. But but he understands that. Totally. And he knows how you feel. And he cares about you. He has compassion on you. So we come confidently to the throne so we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And that's the Melchizedek priesthood. Amen. It's That's what we're in now. We're in that eternal priesthood. The one that knows the end at the beginning. The one who has all knowledge, all understanding. And he knows how to get you to the place that you need to go. Amen.
So in the atonement, we talked about that in in First Peter two twenty four. It says, "Who his own self bore our sins in his own body in the tree, that we, being dead to sin, would live unto righteousness." By whose stripes you were healed. Amen. So in, in the Old Testament, just to the difference between the Melchizedek priesthood, priesthood of Jesus, and Levitical priesthood, the Levitical priesthood depended on people obeying the law, all of the law. If they broke any of it, they were guilty of all. So you, that kept partiality for God's law out of man's heart. See, there are some things that are kind of easy for some people to obey. God says, I don't care. You got to obey all of them. Amen. But they did have a statute and an ordinance of how to walk in health and walk in healing. And that's in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. And this law was was their law for divine health and really is ours as well. Amen. Obedience to God's spirit now is the higher law. It's Exodus fifteen twenty six, but with the new covenant twist on it. And so he says here, when when they they went to the the reason they got this law is that <clears throat> God had to correct some things that he saw happening so that these people could make it to the promised land without dropping dead of sickness. And he says here in verse 22, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went to the wilderness and were there three days in the wilderness before they found water, found no water. So everybody's little bottle and canteen is dried up. Amen. It says when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Now, this was a test for them. Everything that God took them in the wilderness tested not if they were, uh, what they were good, but whether they would trust Him through the wilderness. It was a training for them to trust God at every juncture. Not to get too far out into the wilderness depending upon themselves without checking back in with God, finding out what to do and, and trusting Him. It's the same way in our lives. If God gave you 100% of the money that he's holding for you in glory, you, you, you wouldn't even know who he was in three days. Huh? Because the devil finds you out you got that kind of money, you be on dope for the first time in your life. You got me? And doing all kinds of other crazy things. So God increases us. He takes us as far as we can go in a certain realm. And and then he withdraws himself. He's not as familiar, not as frequent, not as available. Amen. Not as generous. All of those things. Why? So we can seek him. It's to keep us close to him. Because he knows we need to be close to him. Whether we know it or not, he knows it. And he knows we need to be close to him. But what people tend to do is feel like God is withholding something from them or not wanting them to have it, amen, shortchanging them or or whatever it is, they turn on God like he's doing something wrong. And so that's how God is. And what God is doing in the process of that is revealing to us why we got to walk close to him. You got junk in you. <laughs> Did you keep thinking? 
Amen. And and many of us, you know, you might go for a number of years without problems in a certain area and then they pop up all of a sudden. God's just showing you there's still more to do. You still need me. You still got to depend on me to get yourself from one square to the next square. And so the waters were bitter because God ordained them to walk into that place. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had thrown it into the waters, now this tree you know is, there you go, it's Christ. So the, see, these theophanies are all over the Bible. Amen. It, it says here, it cast him into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore, he made them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Amen. He tested them. He put them to the test to see what they were going to do. And he said, if you will diligently, not sometime, not when you got money, not when you feel good. Amen. Not when you you like me today and you didn't like me yesterday. He said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and will do what's right in his sight, give ear to his commandments. This is a, a, a forever statute for anything that you need from God. It comes through your faith in the word, through your faith in shown by your obedience to the word. You can't believe the word without doing the word. God don't believe you one bit until you show him something. So you get up and you do what you know God wants you to do. And he says, and I'll take care of you. He said, I'll bless your bread and your water. He mentioned that because the water was poisoned. So he says, I'll take the poison out of your food and thereby taking sickness away from the midst of you. Amen. It was common for people to find wild growing plants and all that kind of stuff. And, and some of them were, some of them were right. Some of them weren't, but just think. If you obey God, every plant you pick is good for you. Every time you get to a a dry place, he'll have a well, a spring of water coming up for you. Just through obedience, he'll lead you to the right things, in other words, that will bless your life. So that you don't have to be worried. It's like this this is the same as we live now, but on the, the issue of your food and what you take in, the Bible says that if you, if you bless your own food, amen, because the spirit of God lives in you and you take it with thanksgiving, it's made fit for your body. Amen. So you don't have to worry about being poisoned or going to a restaurant and getting bad food or, you know, anything like that. You need to live by faith in these things that whatever, whatever I eat is good for you know, didn't bite me first, you know, it's good for me to eat. (laughs) It's healthy for my body. Now you can see how the enemy fights us on these things because he wants everybody to be under restricted diet, a special diet. You know, this ain't good for you. That ain't good for you. And the Bible says nothing to be refused if it's sanctified by the word of prayer. So maybe quit, Wolfing it down so quick when you go to a restaurant, stop and pray over that food. A restaurant especially because you don't know nothing about them people. You understand? And so, so we are covered. 
as we as, as we walk israel everywhere they went it was a land flowing with milk and honey it was a good land it produced for them as long as they obeyed god and they walked in health as well amen so divine health belongs to the people of god now under the old covenant they had to obey god and then receive the benefits and the blessings and he would take sickness away from them so so if someone fell sick they went to the priest and made the appropriate offering and sacrifice and then they were deemed healed that was true for leprosy or anything like that you could be uh, recovered from your sickness by a visit to the priest make the appropriate offering and sacrifice for your sin amen just go up there and say well i don't know what i did liar but uh, you know what everything i got I brought my little calf just in case you understand what I'm saying. But that was that old system. It got to be cumbersome from the, for the people. You, you could imagine every time you did something wrong, you had to kill one of your animals. And that's why people walked away from it. It was weak. It had to be carried out through the flesh. Now we have a better covenant based on better promises is carried out through the spirit that lives in us. So you have resident holiness on the inside of you that can lead you to total obedience in God to the degree that you can say at Calvary, we were healed. Amen. So in the new covenant, in in the old covenant, you had to obey first and healing followed you. In the new covenant, healing is presented to you when when the spirit of god comes in and lives inside of you the day you're born again you are healed the day christ came comes into your heart you are healed you have to believe you are healed not you're going to be healed amen because the atonement took care of everything the penalty for god not fulfilling his word is prepaid in the atonement So that blood speaks that you are already healed. Amen. Well, people say things like, well, what's the difference? Well, let me put it to you this way. What's the difference between uh, uh, a, uh, a pit bull being outside your door and being inside your house? Right. Would you rather have him in the house or out the house? house. That's why you say you were healed. Because he's trying to get in and take it from you. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the difference. See, if you believe you are yet to be healed, you're going to be wrestling with that pit bull because you just invited him inside your house. You say, I have this thing. But if he's outside and he's trying to get in, you can find a whole lot of different ways to keep him out. Quote some scripture, plead the blood, ask for a miracle, go to the altar. All of that's inside your house. And it keeps him on the outside. Amen. And so as long as you keep the the devourer on the outside of the door, you go. Because as you speak the word, your healing begins to increase in your body. In fact, you get stronger pushing against that door the longer you believe God. 
So if you are standing in the word for your healing and your health, you you keep him on the outside. I am healed. Devil, you can't come in here. You can't take it from me. I am healed. Get away from my door. Stay out there. I am healed. That's different than being in the house with him and you running hiding in the closet somewhere. Amen. So that's why many times people who can't embrace the fact that they are healed because of the atonement run around for years waiting for God to heal them or asking why they're not healed yet or not being able to get peace about their physical condition because they're wrestling with something that Jesus has already defeated and he's not going to come inside there and wrestle that thing with you no more. He's done it already. So it's on you to believe that it's done. And he will help anybody who needs his help in these matters. Why? Because he's a great high priest. He knows how you feel. If you go to him, if you if you have botched up your healing understanding for years, he'll come to you one day and straighten all that out. There are people who have been holding on. Look at the man at the pool waiting for the troubling of the waters so he said you know after a while he wasn't waiting on nothing but you know a, a burger king the guy doing a burger king run you understand what i'm saying he made himself all comfortable huh? you know they people sometimes you you know you think about this a man who has been sick for 38 years by now he's got an assigned place waiting see he's assigned him a seat in the waiting room not in the get up and get in the pool room amen and he's comfortable way he's got a built-in excuse for why he doesn't want to be healed or he can't be healed amen but even with that jesus comes by one day huh see this is hope for us because you know what it makes me feel that whenever you believe God, you sow a seed of prayer. Even when you get faithless after a period of time, what does he say? He said, I'm not, I'm faithful. You faithless, I'm faithful. That man gave Jesus every excuse in the book for why he couldn't be healed. And see, we in our sanctified souls, would think, well, how could he ever get healed? He doesn't even have faith. He had it at one time. Yeah, but that was 38. Well, there's hope for you. If he got his after 38 years, there's hope for all of us. Faith never expires. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He just comes by one day and reignites it. A day when you least feel like you're supposed to get healed, least you, your least uh, righteous feeling day, amen, he'll come by and just say, hey, you know, remember that? It's like he did Zacharias. He said, your prayer was heard. Zacharias said, what prayer? Being an old man. He said, yeah, you're going to have a baby. Really? No. <laughs> huh? God does not care. There's no expiration. On our prayers. He's heard them. Once he hears them. The Bible says. Then we know we have what he's asking for. So you got it already by faith. 
don't discount that little faith nugget that you used to nurse and, and want it so bad from years ago. Don't discount that coming to pass one day. Amen. You just don't know the, the time when these things are scheduled to happen. But God does. And he does everything he does on time. Amen. And does it right. So he never forgets a prayer that's prayed. He always keeps those in mind. So in, in, in this dispensation, because of the atonement, because of the atoning blood and the eternal priesthood that Jesus Christ ministers over, all prayers have a life expectancy of forever. Amen. They are eternal prayers. They're not subject to anything that this temporal world is subject to. Why? Because they are in, they're prayed out of his word. His word is eternal. His word can manifest at any time. He can bring his word to pass at any time he wants to. So after Calvary, we have a covenant where we must believe that he took our sicknesses and bore our weaknesses. We, we have the privilege of walking in divine health and we currently are healed. You were healed day one when you received the atonement. Your sins were nailed to the tree and all the effects of sin were nailed. Amen. If we were saved, Jesus gave us his spirit to give us his righteousness. Amen. So righteousness speaks for us. There's no law against righteousness. So you couldn't possibly be sick legally. If you accept it, it's because the enemy is deceiving you into taking it. But he can't leave it on you. Do you understand what I mean? He has no authority in eternity to leave that on you. The eternal penalty for sin has been paid for. So you're liable to be healed at any time. That's why you can be healed at any time. Amen? Because of the temporal nature of sickness. Sickness is, is, is run by the God of this world. You obey Satan, you live a lifestyle that's, that starts to wear your body down, then he puts sickness on you. But as a child of God, you can resist that because the blood is still forgiving you and still helping you and still wiping away all traces of the effects of sin. Don't ever let the devil tell you because of the lifestyle you lived, you've got to live with certain things in your life. Sickness in your body or, or, you know, lame or, or anything like that. Well, you know, you shouldn't have done this and that. And, you know, people that are having trouble hearing nowadays. It's all the, the old rockers from the hippie generation. You understand what I'm saying? Because of loud music and headphones and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're saved, you, you, you're healed anyway. Doesn't matter how it came to you. God takes that. He forgives us. When he forgives, he restores. He gives you what the enemy has stolen. But sickness is not unto death for believers. Amen. You, you, you have a right to claim eternal relief from anything. Because of the atonement. It's not permanent. In other words, they tell you, well, so-and-so, you got so-and-so. And and, and people don't get better from that. No, I don't. No. The minute they tell you 
it's incurable. That's what he said. Wait, wait a minute. Hold it. No, no. End of conversation. Because I have eternal righteousness on the inside of me that speaks better things. See, it speaks. This thing has got to go. It can't stand up under righteousness. Amen. Sickness has got to go in the face of the blood of Jesus, which is your righteousness. Amen. You're not here because of your good behavior. <laughs> Wherever that went to <laughs> on them good days, you're here because of his righteousness. Amen. Which he freely gives to us who believe. So when uh, uh we must believe then that Jesus has taken all sickness away from us. When we were healed, he took our sicknesses. This was the hidden benefit of Calvary. Amen. Because when we, when we preach the gospel, we are quick to tell people that they are on their way to heaven, but we're slow to tell them that they don't have to receive sickness anymore, don't have to deal with sickness anymore. See, it's good to find out if people, when you pray for people to receive Christ, find out right then and there. You got, is there anything else I need to pray for you? Is your health good? Is there sickness? Well, you know, I got so-and-so. Deal with that right then and there. So that they begin to connect Calvary as a total work. And not a piece over here and a piece over there and you gotta work hard at this and work. Just tie that all in together in the atonement. That's how a lot of times you'll see people, uh, ministers in this country barely can get a meeting or have really small meetings and they'll go overseas somewhere and there's hundreds of thousands of people standing out there. Why? They ring the dinner bell with healing. Tell them about healing first. You tell people in this country about healing, you get the Blue Cross cards, you get the Medicare payments, you get the, you understand what I'm saying? So, so people here have a fallback until they can't fall back on it anymore. Then all of a sudden they want to start thinking about what God can do. And he'll meet them. Don't get me wrong. But he's already met us in the atonement at Calvary. We already healed. You don't need to ask God to heal you. When you receive Christ, the healer lives on the inside of you. You are healed. Amen. So healing actually begins in our soul. According to Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear to my sayings. That soul. Amen. You listen to the word. That's where it begins with what you hear. And then as you obey Proverbs 4, he says, don't let it escape you. In other words, you go to the doctor and they say you have an incurable blood disease. But you've already received the word that you're healed. Amen. Now, that shakes you up, you know, because you're expecting a good report. It shakes you up a little bit. But you have to go back to what you already stood on. The fact that they see something in your body now does not negate what was done for you from the foundation of the earth. The temporal can never uproot the eternal. But the other thing happens. The eternal can uproot the temporal. So the Bible says if you keep that word in the midst of your heart, Keep it before your eyes. The way to get it in your heart is to keep it in your ears and your eyes. Amen? 
And pretty soon you will be converted into that's all you believe. You don't believe what the doctors say anymore. Amen. Now, there are times where it will shake you and you'll say, well, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And this is what they say. And where they, I mean, bad news hits everybody the same way. But remember who your great high priest is. He's already been touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. Sickness was laid on him at Calvary. Amen. The enemy probably tempted him with sickness off and on throughout his life as he walked the earth. Amen. But he always resisted it. Amen. Because it was in him to resist it until it was laid on him when he made himself the sacrifice for everybody's sin. That's when sickness was laid on him to stay. He took it down to hell where it dropped off because he was raised up into resurrection power. Amen. So hell got sickness back. You don't belong to hell. That's why you can't have sickness. Amen. You have atonement. So they tell you, you got this. No, baby, I got stripes. Huh? I got stripes. I don't have, what, what is that? I can't even spell that, what you're talking about. And not going to try. Because I'm going to take it to my father. Amen. That devil, uh, my father, the devil is accusing me falsely of having heart disease or lupus or whatever it is. Amen. Bone marrow disease. This is a false accusation against your blood. Ain't against you. It's against his blood. That's why it gets refuted in the throne room. Let your righteousness talk for you. That's why we plead the blood. That's your answer for everything. Wait a minute. I'm blood bought. This ain't for me. Huh? That's how you can refuse it. What? Oh, oh, you think because you got your good behavior. Get real. Amen. You look through a magazine and look at a Gucci bag and you're already in sin. Plotting how not to pay your bills so you can bring it all home. They even, when they even prayed, you know, if you pray about it, God might give it to you. You'd even stop at the prayer at the throne room. You hoping God didn't see that. So let's not talk about our good behavior, getting us anything. It's his blood that the accusation is against. The devil is selling the, his blood wasn't, uh, um, wasn't sufficient to take care of sickness off of your body. Well, Lord, I know your blood is perfect. I know it paid for it. But here they're accusing me of having this. Amen. And I thank you that I am healed. Lord, I choose to believe your word. <laughs> I am healed by your stripes. And in third John two, the prayer that John prayed was that we would prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So you have to be careful about what you think on, what comes into your brain, what you meditate on, what you light, let park up in your head and stay and think about it for half a day or a few hours or whatever it is. Shake that off. Get yourself to a place where you say, God, I know that's not your word. I don't know why I'm sitting up thinking about this, trying to worry about it. Amen. And, and, and allow God to come in. 
and and uh, reiterate, refresh, and rekindle, blow some some breath, hot coals, blow some uh, his breath on the hot coals of the word that you've been holding on to. And realize again, I am healed. i just been knocked back by some bad news right here. Amen. But I am healed. Father, at the end of the day, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and expect to wake up because I expect you to sustain me. And I'm in the morning, I am still healed. No matter what the report says, I am healed. Amen. And this is how you live under the, the Jesus Melchizedek priesthood. Because it's an eternal priesthood. It, you were healed from the foundation of the earth and nothing the devil could do. If he can't take you to hell because of your sin, then he can't make you sick because of symptoms. Amen. So I just tell people, I say, well, if you just have to call it something, just say you got symptoms, but you can't call yourself sick and be saved too. Sickness is not part of your covenant with God. Hmm? Well, what's wrong with me? Nothing. You're healed. Trying to act crazy around here for a minute, but God will straighten you out. Trying to act like you confused. You ain't confused. You're either healed or you're not. Amen. When I was married, I never had a day where I thought I was single. If I did, I didn't tell nobody. I repented real quick. You might have wished you were off and on. But you didn't get confused about whether or not you was married. Huh? And I didn't have to look at my wedding ring to remind me. I knew there was a knower on the inside of me. You are not single. You married. And act accordingly. So if you're not sick and you're healed, act accordingly. Huh? What do healed people do? They get up and live a normal life. They get up and do what they're supposed to do. Amen? They don't think about sickness all day long. They think about things that pertain to life. Amen? Because that's not your portion. You can try to be sick if you want to and won't do it. You know, we had a little friend that the, uh, we, rented from a church in in Michigan and the pastor there were Kojic people cute little guy you know been in church all his life loved God pray for me sis pray for me sis pray for me sis pray for me sis I said well pastor what do you mean he said I'm going to the doctor they can't find nothing I said because nothing's there yeah but I'm going there and going to have some more tests so you see him a couple weeks later we'll, we'll Pastor, what did they find? Can't find nothing. I said, because you're healed. You know what, sis? I believe I am. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Strong consolation. See, the blood will eventually convince you what the truth is. You won't stay crazy all your life, doubtful. Amen. God even helps our unbelief. When, when we're, we're faithless and unbelieving and don't want it no more. It's too hard. I don't want to do this no more. I don't care. I know God. I pray for you to give me my own business and my own this and my, yeah, you got business. All right. Huh? You know, you might want to sneak off and do your business without God because he's going to hold your little feet to the fire. 
He's going to make sure that you stand and believe every single prayer you prayed about what you asked him for. (laughs) But he will make sure that you receive what it is that you ask for. Amen. Because he can't deny himself. God is wrapped up in every prayer you pray. He's the one who's going to bring it to pass. Whether you tired of it or you, ah, you know, I used to want that years ago. Well, you can still want it. Amen. What's wrong with you now? Amen. And so many times we feel that time has an effect on the things that we do, on the kingdom things. But time has no effect on that. Because God will bring it to pass anyway, even when we're faithless. It's like the the man that, that when the disciples were trying to cast the devil out of that man's son. Then Jesus was returning from the Mount of Transfiguration. And he comes down there and there's this big crowd around this little boy. And the disciples are trying to cast the devil out. The devil won't come out. You know, he's making a mockery of everything and hurting that kid and the father's upset and overwrought and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus kind of brings order to things when he comes down there and he asks them, well, what's the problem? And the, the father pipes up and says, well, I asked your disciples to cast the devil out of my son and they couldn't do it. And so Jesus starts asking the dad some questions, you know, gets his mind off of his complaining. See, you you get people out of their excuses and out of their complaints, and you can find, you can locate what the real problem is. And when Jesus began to talk to him, and he told him, well, it's been since he was a kid, and a lot of times he throws him in the fire and throws him in the water and, and all of that, and and Jesus tells him, he says, well, if you can believe, see, so located the problem. The disciples borrowed unbelief off of the dad. When he came to them, he didn't come to them in faith, not in full faith. And so when he got tied up with them and they started doubting, it was a doubt party. And the devil's making mockery out of everybody. And what did that dad finally say? He said, well, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. And what happened next? Jesus healed that boy. Just a confession of your wrong will cause your faith to emerge strong enough to get the job done. See, his faith was being blocked by his unbelief. The minute you confess what your weakness is to the Lord, he takes care of it. Didn't he? If Jesus told him, if you can believe, and he said, I believe, help my unbelief, he must have helped it because the boy got healed. Amen? And so whenever we come to the Lord, I'm just trying to impress upon you the strength of your covenant with God. That's why we can have strong consolation that anything we need, that need is met by God and we can have what we say. We, even when we waver, he remains faithful. He'll remind us of his promises. He'll remind you, I still, you still need to have this done. I still want you to receive. You asked me for the whole thing. 
You never ask me for partial healing and I don't give partial healing. You ask me for the whole thing and I'm here to give it to you right here, right now. Because the healer lives in us all the time. See, the devil wants us to keep putting stuff off that we could have right away. If he can get you to put it off one more day, that's one more day that you didn't receive and didn't live in the fullness of what God has for you. But there's no time on your prayer. There's no time on when. The Bible says when you're converted, you can be healed at any time. The minute you flip over into strong faith and fully persuaded, that's when it starts to manifest. So that's where you want to get to. Whatever you got to do to school yourself into believing God wholeheartedly, without reservations, without fear, without letting the devil stop up, stop and say, well, you know, you, you're not ready for that because, or, or you can't have that right now. You know how, you know how long it's taken you to get this far. You understand what I'm saying? He'll try to put you on delay whenever he can, just to show you, just to show himself he's got power. See, he's the one that's delaying everything because there's no time. If we are already healed, that takes the when out of it. It's now. For anybody who will believe it's now, then it's now. Amen? God wants us to receive everything that Calvary has provided for us because he loves us and he is our God. Amen? So he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians six seventeen. Our faith and our covenant Passes judgment on sickness, passes judgment on symptoms. You've got the judger living in you that is gaining strength every time you speak the word, meditate on the word, confess the word, thank God for healing you. That whatever symptom is in your body, judgment is being passed on it. It's being killed, annihilated, immobilized, told it can't do what it's trying to do. It can't live in you can't increase in you no matter what it feels like it can't get worse it must get better amen because your faith in the blood is doing that it's annihilating everything that's not like it and so god will have you rise up healed he wants you well just like you want to be well amen he wants what you want and he's not withholding any good thing from from us that have confidence and faith in him. God, my trust is in you. And I am fully persuaded that what you promise, you're able to do it. He's able to do it. He's able to do it. Quit trying so hard to do it yourself. He's able to do it. He wants you to get your little hands off of it so he can show you what he wants to do. You understand what I'm saying? See, sometimes we get so wound up in our, I gotta confess, I gotta do that. No? To the point sometimes we try to make it happen with our confession. See, your confession is to keep you in faith. That he's fully, he's able to do it. Put the responsibility for your healing on him. Amen? For the manifestation. Put that responsibility on him. Because many times we'll think that if we do this enough, that'll move him. He's already moved. Huh? You can't do something enough to move him. You're healed already. He's already moved. Amen? You just have to rest in the fact 
that is already done. That's a hard something to do sometimes when you're facing symptoms and you're facing, you say, well, what do I need to do now? Am I doing this enough? Day? Everybody goes through that. But at the end of the day, by faith, you let that go and you say, God, I am fully persuaded that you promised this. You're able to perform it. You don't need my help. You just need my faith. And I believe you. And I'm holding on to my faith in you. I believe and I trust your word. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for the covenant that we have with you. It's a holy covenant written in your blood, ratified by your blood. It is in force now, which means that we can be healed at any time. Anytime we so decide, today is my day. It's now. Now is my time. Whenever we decide our time is now, we can receive our healing, finances, breakthrough, uh, breakthrough in our businesses, breakthrough in our jobs and promotions, whatever it is that we stand in need of and we're standing in prayer for, we can receive those things, Father, at any time. There's no set date or set time for anything in your kingdom because it's all been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So we plead your precious blood, Lord. That's all we need to do is understand that your blood is what gives us access, pays for our health, pays for our salvation, pays for every need that we have, pays for everything. It's full and total payment in advance of our needs. And so if we can speak that and declare that our needs are met, then we can have what we say. And we thank you, Lord, that our needs are met according to your glorious riches through Christ Jesus. Praise God. So if anybody wants to come up for prayer, you can come on up and I'll pray for you. Prayer for 